shy. Welcome in here on this Thursday, November 4th to the big show. We take you until 5 o'clock today because then we will have Thursday night football. Yeah, we already made it to Thursday. We're almost there uh, as we are going to have the Jets and the Colts. Not the best game to offer you on a Thursday night, but it's still football to kickstart a new week of NFL action. It'll be week nine uh, beginning tonight with the first game. And, of course, we'll have a ton of games over the weekend and into Monday night as well. Uh, today on the show, in our two hours, of course, we'll get you started with first things first here in just a few moments. Uh, we are going to visit with head coach of your Sacramento Kings, Luke Walton. Coach Walton joins us for his weekly visit. That is scheduled for about 3.30, right at the bottom of the hour. We expect to hear from the coach. Uh, Buster Posey, in a few moments, is going to have his press conference. We'll play some audio from that, where he is announcing his retirement from his what I think is a Hall of Fame career. We're going to talk about that uh, later in the show as well. Talk a little bit more about the Kings game last night. Look ahead to the Kings and the Hornets uh, tomorrow, which should be a really fun game at Golden One Center. And then, of course, we'll uh, get the crossover as well. So, so much stuff for us to cover as well. And I know, Chris, we have a new and repeating and still champion, right? You're just giving it away, not even teasing it a little bit. Well, it's a little bit of a tease. People have to remember. They'll have. They'll hear it. They'll love it. It's coming. We will talk about that as well. So, so much to get to. Again, like we said, we will uh, react to Buster Posey's press conference coming up in about an hour. Coach Walton at the bottom of this hour, and then Thursday Night Football coming up at 5 o'clock. First things first. Close things first. Harkless drives into the paint, kicks it out to Fox. Seven on the clock to Halliburton. Fakes the three. Drive and kick. Fox wide open for three. This place will explode, and it does if he hits it. 104-91, a 12-point run by the Sacramento Kings to get separation as we pass the midpoint of the fourth quarter. Fox has 17. Drive inside. Alex Lynn forces Devontae Graham into a bad shot. In transition, Fox in the paint. No look pass to Alex Lynn for a two-hand flush baseline right. It's 14 unanswered. Kings fans reveling at Golden 1 Center with a 15-point lead. 106-91, another timeout taken by the Pelicans. What a sequence with a couple of just brilliant plays for the Kings. Kings against the Pelicans in Sacramento had lost three straight and five of their last six. But tonight, they get the win. The final score is 112 to 99. Seven men in double figures. Kings commit only nine turnovers. They shoot a season best 53% from the floor. And those ingredients help power them to the victory that evens their record at four and four. First home win of the year was much needed by the Sacramento Kings. I thought they played well for really a lot of the game. The, the Maybe the little bit of surprising part for me was how they couldn't shake New Orleans. I thought in the first half, New Orleans did a really good job of hitting threes at the right time because it felt like the Kings could get away from them a couple different times. And uh, then they were in a game. Uh, you had Rashawn Holmes lose his cool, get ejected. Kings lost the lead. It wasn't ever a large lead. There was no double-digit leads until the fourth quarter. And then it started to feel like, oh, boy, this this would go down as a bad loss if the Kings aren't able to beat New Orleans. But then you start to pull back and you really look at the way the Kings played, as you heard G-Man describe there at the end. Season best field goal percentage, season low turnovers. How many times yesterday in the game 
did you see this team create a 24-second shot clock violation? I mean, I thought they did some terrific things. And really defensively, they were on it. They really were on it yesterday. And offensively, I thought we saw some of the best ball movement. We're going to talk about that with Coach Walton at the bottom of the hour. And then certainly, uh, shots started to go in better shots in the offense, in the movement, in the half court. I was saying yesterday, one of the things I wanted to see this team do more of is is push the ball, get some easier baskets because their half court sets haven't been as good. But I thought we saw some much better production in the half court last night. And I know to me it's not, hey, De'Aaron played better and it's that simple, but he did play better. And it was less about being that more of his shots win. I thought he was just aggressive and aggressive in his passing too. De'Aaron got by the first man, and if you can ever do that, you've now you're forcing the defense to adjust and to make some movement and body movement and pressure that he puts on the defense. Well, that created some of his best passes that he's had in this young season. Uh, Halliburton was uh, was great. Barnes continues his rock-solid work. Mitchell, I mean, you just kind of go across the board, and when you could start to say, this player played well, this player played well, and the list grows, Alex Len was was of huge importance to what they did. And seven players were in double figures yesterday. Two straight games, they've done that. I'm telling you, I think it's healthier for this team to have it like that than to get those 35-point nights from De'Aaron. Those are fun to watch, but I think if you can get the combination of everybody contributing, continue to rebound, get the timely stops, and share in the ball, it looks like a really good recipe for this team to have success. And I think we were talking a lot about he doesn't have to be he doesn't necessarily have to be a guy that's taking over. No. He just needs to be efficient. Yeah. The really cool thing is uh, the game before, he wasn't shooting well before. But at all. At all. But he was doing well of distributing the ball. I think mm-hmm. he had like eight, nine assists or something like that. And it's one of those things, and Doug talked about it all the time, is if you're not able to put up points, well, then you have to find another way to contribute on the floor. Yeah. And De'Aaron definitely did that last night, but all the others did too. Like it was, it was kind of a collective effort like that where everybody was doing all the things needed and new Orleans is down. And that's a team. The other thing I like what they did. And, and I'm sure coach Walton can let us in a little bit on the game plan and the scheme of this. But to me, the way the roster was constructed of new Orleans last night without Ingram, without Zion, the two people that could kind of take over a game if they had to were Valanchunas and Devontae Graham, and they did great work on those guys. So you want other people to beat you. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker was having a nice game. You were having a few other guys that were doing some really good things. But by the end, you you can't count on those kind of role players to continue that for four quarters. And the Kings did a really good job of putting so much pressure on those other guys to carry the load for four quarters. And they did for about three but they couldn't in the fourth. And then you get to fourth quarter. The Kings held them to 12 points. Well, then Rashawn Holmes goes out. Right. And they give up points quick. And it's one of those, oh, man. Last year, if that were to happen, floodgates open. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. doesn't matter who they're playing. It just seems like they're out of it. It was cool to see them. All right, stop. We are better than the Pelicans. And everyone just stepped up in his absence and – Took over the game late. Yeah, and by the end, it kind of went to the spot where we thought it would, a double-digit win. It took a while to get there. It certainly was work to get there, but it was done, and it was it was encouraging to see 
to get the first home win, to go to four and four. Um, if you look at the standings, I, I, I'm going to keep saying it. I like where they are. I like how they look. I think they look like a team, and I can't reiterate this anymore. I mean, I'll probably do it every day, but there were times in past years where we were, ah, man, the compete, like it just, it seems like the team is engaged every night. Um, besides runs, like you can't look at a stretch and go, I mean, there's bad quarters or there's bad moments of games, but they bounce back. There's a, there's a, Hey, look, we'll figure it out kind of idea to them. And part of figuring it out is always playing hard and always playing together and sticking with it. And hopefully it's shots that go or the other ways, maybe you stop them from scoring. I mean, as much as the success yesterday was when shots started to go, but also, as we said, you go to the fourth quarter and you're going to win a lot of games when you hold your opponent to 12 points. The Kings only scored 20. 20 is a bad quarter. But it's okay when you hold the other team to 12. And so they got it right late third, carried over into the fourth. And like I said, contributions from just about everybody that played. And it was a night that they didn't need uh, Buddy to be spent, uh, spectacular beyond the arc. It would have been nice if he was. Buddy was 2 of 10 from 3, but he has double figures with 11. Mitchell 12, Len 12 off the bench. And then your starters, Harkless was the only one that didn't get double figures. But again, he's a guy that's a 50-50 guy that gets to a lot of the loose balls, hits a timely three here and there. He can get you double figures. Um, But it was Barnes with 23, Holmes with 12 before he left the game. Fox got to 19, and then Halliburton, I thought was just terrific with 20. So there was a lot of ingredients that were laid out here as to why it worked, how it worked, and it looked good. It really did look good for the Sacramento Kings to get that win. Take advantage of that, right? The Pelicans are not right right now. This is a team that you're, one, you're trying to beat for yourself and really trying to bury. Pelicans are 1-8. and eight. They just had a, a game the night before in Phoenix where they're up 20 and let it slip away. You can take that team's spirit away, and the Kings did that. And you got to keep doing it while they're down. And here's one of those things where it's been tough to play the Jazz twice already. Well, it's been nice to play the Pelicans twice already. It's funny how things can even out. Um, When people talk about soft spots in the schedule, I always think that's a funny phrase because this year, to me personally, it feels like there's a few bad teams, but there's a few. And I think there's a lot of teams with not a huge difference between the top and the middle um, because if you say, oh, I can't wait for the easy part of the schedule, name like five teams you would say that would be easy. Like just easy. I mean, I think at the bottom right now, you'd probably say like New Orleans. I was just going to say the Pelicans. Okay, maybe Houston, uh, OKC. Well, if you're the Kings, you don't just get like a, a six-game stretch where you play New Orleans, Houston, OKC, um, Detroit, Orlando. It just It's not laid out that way. You might get Detroit and Orlando, and then, oh, man, there's Milwaukee, Chicago, Atlanta. Um, or, oh, good, a Rockets game. Oh, then there's two with the Lakers and the Rockets again. It's The schedule is what it is. I mean, we'll look at it and we'll think there's things that are going to fall into place. It's been a tough schedule to start based on teams with last year that made the playoffs. Facing the Jazz twice already. Uh, the Blazers were a playoff team. Dallas was a playoff team. But right now, the Kings, I think, should feel good about where they are at 4-4. Four and four. Three road wins. Homestand's just getting started. You got Charlotte tomorrow. Fun team, up and down team. They got they got worked a little bit last night in San Francisco. So we'll see how the Kings respond and the Hornets respond tomorrow uh, with that next Have matchup. Have the Kings won two in a row yet? Has it been uh, a win-loss, win-loss? 
Yeah, there was a couple losses in a row, right? Yeah, I think they had two in a row when they beat. Oh, the, this last two. Right? No. No. <laughs> um, the Suns and then the Pelicans. Oh, that's right. The first right. two of the road trip. Okay. Yeah. So they started with a win, lost two, won two, lost two, and now have won. But that's the other part where I wanted to bring that up, and I'm glad you actually said that, Chris, because a night like last night, they are going to have a game. They're going to lose that game some point. It just happens to every team where we'll be on the – how did you lose? It happens. I think it was important that it didn't happen last night. And my point on that is it would have been three in a row. And you can handle two losses in a row. I mean, technically you can handle three, but now it just puts a high volume of pressure on the Friday night game. Now that's there's there's less pressure tomorrow. You want to win the game, but you don't want it to be a four-game losing streak. And then you go, oh, man, is this going to be five and six? When's this going to end? Well, it's just at two. Like they started that road trip with two wins, lost the last two, but you still feel good about a two-and-two two road trip. Now you've won the first game at home on the homestand. You want it minimum two. Three would be great. Four is perfect. Um, but you started out with a good tone setter, getting the first one, and you get the Hornets uh, tomorrow night. So busy weekend ahead for the Kings. We'll talk more about that. And, again, Coach Walton scheduled to join us at the uh, bottom of the hour. All right, let's uh, continue with more First Things First. First Things First. I'm just getting a note as we speak on Coach Walton. Let me see. Um, all right, we'll, we'll adjust to that coming up the break. It may not be at 3.30. We may be moving Coach around just a little bit. We'll keep you up to date on that. All right, so right now, going on currently as we speak, we'll hear some audio from this a little bit later. But Buster Posey, after 12 seasons, is retiring. And I got to say, I was a little surprised when this news came out yesterday. He's had a great career. I'll tell you why I think he's a Hall of Famer a little bit later in the show. Um, and he's the Giants. They had a great run with him. He has accolades everywhere as far as you know, Rookie of the Year, MVP, batting title, gold glove, silver slugger, World Series, all the things, all the credentials that support a Hall of Fame career. What would be something that keeps him out of there, I guess, would be the length of the career. But there's some people in sports that just build numbers over time. And there's there's a nice thing to that. It's a commodity to be healthy, to play a long career. But those are compilers that just, well, I get 10 more years of this and I'm just going to continue to get numbers. And then all of a sudden by the end you go, the numbers are just too much to say no to. So Buster Posey um, will get his kind of explanation on on why it was the right time. I, I know during the year he talked about how much fun – he was having this last year um, and a grind of, of what, you know, the Dodgers chasing him all year, ultimately to get to the postseason and face them in, in one of the spirited playoff matchups we've ever seen and had between these two rivals. But he, to me, he's, I, I feel for a lot of people right now that are of that age group that Buster Posey was their guy. That's their, their favorite player. I'm glad you got to see him play, hopefully, the entirety of his career. Um, he's seemingly been uh, everything you'd want in a franchise-type player with success, with hype coming in, backing it up. Great reputation, likable guy, good teammate, productive, healthy for the most part, right? You think about he opted out of the 2020 season, and it was his second full season where he had that injury. Didn't you know He missed over 100 games. But this was the part of his career that, I don't know, five, six years ago, we were having shows going, well, at what point did the Giants start moving Buster Posey to first base? 
Or will they have to trade him to the American League so he can be a DH, even if now soon we may see NL will have DH. But um, those were the conversations. And for the most part, Buster played most of his career behind the dish. And he did a great job of it, was a reliable catcher, was good with the starters in the bullpen, and a leader. And again, one of those people, it's a great franchise that has some storied figures in it. And he's a part of it. And you can't write the story of the Giants of the 2010s without Buster. Now, you can debate, is he the most important person in that run? The list is pretty short, though, of people you would say, if it's not Buster, who? Now, people, you know, Renteria won an MVP of one of those World Series. Um, Pablo was huge at times. (laughs) Um, You also had... um, No, he's been huge his entire career. I knew that was coming. Um, should he have played discipline on and off the field? I think I've heard that somewhere. I think so. Not sure. The baseball mind, I believe. Can't uh, that. I don't know. Can't confirm it. Um, Mad bum, Lincecum, Kane, right? All of them. We could start listing all of those guys, but Buster was catching those pitchers. He was getting big hits. He was kind of the feared guy in a lineup. Sometimes you go, man, how does this Giants lineup do it? Now, there were other people that came through at critical times in many games, but Buster was the centerpiece, I think, of a lot of that. And uh, I'm glad if this is what he chooses to do. He's at his press conference right now. We'll let you hear some of that audio a little bit later. But uh, Buster Posey, 12-year career, very productive, all action-packed, lots of lots of good stuff happened in that career uh, as Buster Posey right now is announcing his retirement. First things first. first. All right, Thursday night football, Jets and Colts in a little Thursday night football action. Uh, That's coming your way here at 5 o'clock. And as we said, it starts a new week of NFL action for the Colts. Um, This is a game they need to get. You know, they really had their opportunities to beat the Titans last week. That's starting to get real separation in the division. And uh, they need to get back on the track for them. And you got the – for the Colts – Carson Wentz has been far too up and down for me. Um, it feels like they've got some good things, a, a balanced enough attack with Taylor as a good runner. Pittman's been doing a nice job in the receiving area, Wentz. But it's it's the mistakes. I mean, he made some killer mistakes last week against the Titans, a game that really I think the Colts should have won, had an early 14-0 lead, ended up losing that one by three. So, And that was after the Colts had two straight wins. They were really trying, three of four, they were really trying to get things going but they kind of went backwards last week. So opportunity, short week. They're the home team. Uh, Jets coming off one of those great wins, kind of the no-one-saw-coming wins last week, and they've got two of those this year when they beat the Titans and they've beaten the Bengals this year. So um, I like the Colts tonight. That game will get started, uh, our coverage, at 5 o'clock, and it starts a new week of action in the NFL. First things first. First things first. All right, more from around the league. It looks like Dallas will have their quarterback back. We thought Dak would play last week, and he's going through all the warm-ups, getting ready for the Vikings, and it was kind of a last-minute decision uh, to not start him and not even play him. Cooper Rush started, got the job done, and got a really nice win for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are in such a great position for the division. They don't have to worry about it. They got the division wrapped up. It's never over, but 6-1 and one with the Eagles, the closest team chasing him at 3-5. and five. I just... Not that concerned about Philadelphia, really, in this mix with the Cowboys. So now you get your quarterback back, your leader. You've controlled most all of your games. The only one you lost was the Thursday night season opener against the Bucks. They look to continue to stay hot when they take on 
the Broncos. Uh, that will be Sunday. Also, the Packers, the bad news they got yesterday with Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, the league is going to look into this, how the handling of Rodgers was done by the team and COVID uh, restrictions and protocols and guidelines. Uh, but Devontae Adams, who had been back and missed the game last Thursday, is who had been out, he is back with the Packers in a big matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. What an opportunity for Jordan Love, right? He, he's the guy that the Packers believed in enough to draft as a first-rounder and probably agitate Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get his opportunity uh, this Sunday against the Chiefs. And then the Odell Beckham Jr. saga continues. He is out of practice again today, cleared to be out of practice. And we can see that the finish line is here. End it. It's over. End it. It's He's not going to stay there. Um, they didn't. They weren't able to trade him. Just cut him loose. Cut him loose. He didn't want to be there. I don't know that they want him there, especially if a guy doesn't want to be there. It seemed like a good idea when they got him from the Giants. But, I mean, I don't know if we're just kind of going through the uh, the paperwork or the timeline here, but he's he's got to find a new home. And I honestly, I don't know. We haven't seen the best of Odell Beckham in a few years. He's had some injuries. It seems to me he puts a lot of the blame on others, whether that was Eli towards the end of his career in New York, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. It's not the perfect setup for him in Cleveland. That's a team that wants to run behind the line. That is a good line, two running backs, power football, play good enough defense, and then timely passing game. But now you're trying to find the perfect spot for Odell Beckham. And too many times in the past when receivers get to this mode where they're really, really difficult, it doesn't ever seem to be too much uh, worth worth the pain. I could say one recent example that's kind of worked out lately is Antonio Brown. But he used to be the best receiver, if not the best, uh, over well over 100 catches a year. And now he's with Tom Brady, and we don't, we don't hear much. But he's had to clean some stuff up for himself. And I'm glad he did. But I just... I don't know at this point who is enamored with Odell Beckham Jr. There should be some teams maybe out of necessity, not out of true desire where it seemed like the Browns wanted him. But uh, his time in Cleveland, it's not officially done, but it needs to be because if they're just allowing him to miss practice, what's the point? Just move on, cut him loose, and let him go. All right, one more thing here on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, the last one was a story we brought up a few weeks ago, and it's uh, resurfacing because I think more and more of the details are coming out. But it's regarding the Phoenix Suns and ownership there and Robert Sarver. Uh, He's been an owner for nearly two decades, 17 years, and there's a detailed, detailed story from Baxter Holmes at ESPN about many, many people that he has interviewed in the Suns organization over the 17 years that you know either worked for him now or worked for him before and including past coach um, Earl Watson and others, but allegations that we had brought up before, racism, misogyny, it's not a good look. And Sarver and the Suns have already come back again and denied all this. But the amount of people that were interviewed and the details that are coming out certainly aren't flattering if true. Um, I'm not saying reporting is not true, but I, you know, when – Generally, people come out and deny a story. I get that. And sometimes stories are incorrect. But it's a little bit where you're just getting hit by so many numbers. And what are some of the people that are in the organization or in the past have to gain? You could you could not like your former boss. That's 
probably pretty common, I would say, for a lot of people out there. But to go out of your way to really um, detail, and, and the thread was very common from people that were in different departments talking about Robert Sarver and just the top-down feel of the way the organization was was running, and now the league apparently is is looking into this. I don't know how it's all going to go, Chris, but everything about it just, yeah, it's not it's not good. And I was talking to you earlier. The big headlines are what Server actually did, but as you read the story, the it seems like just working at the Suns for the Suns just seems like a terrible work environment. Yeah, even HR was handling things in an odd way, like just bizarre. And I think that's the real key of it is how was that allowed to happen the entire it really reminds me of the Washington football team yes. story. Yeah. And what's bad is they're, they're gonna talk about server just like, oh yeah, if we get rid of him, that will end everything. No, that there's a culture that needs to be cleaned up. That needs to be yeah. cleaned up. And I don't I don't know if they're gonna do that. The interesting thing I heard it you would hear from some people and they would say that weren't part of the story and you would hear them say that wasn't my experience steve kerr was in the story and he says like he's the one that introduced him to adam silver and said hey that's not the guy i know Mm -hmm. this story shocked me but then there's other pieces that were coming out vince carter was on nba today and he was talking about some stories about him that weren't just awkward stories Uh and his reaction was I never witnessed any of this, but none of it is surprising. Right. Which is something that you don't want to hear, especially if you're saying none of this is true. The strange thing, the only thing he did say that was true was he pantsed a 25-year-old executive in front of a group of people in a meeting. And it was like, that's what at any – he's like, oh, it's a joke that went wrong. That's a joke that you're doing in a business environment? Oh, it environment. went wrong. It went wrong. Yeah. and that And that's the one they'll agree to? And he said, and I would like to apologize to him now. Yeah, yeah. Um, there'll be an investigation. It will be ongoing. Oh, it's already started. Yeah, they'll be looking into this. And, and I think it happened probably whenever we first, when was the story first reported? About three or four weeks ago? Something like that. And now it's uh, getting more steam because there's more details on it. So uh, we'll watch it. We'll monitor it. We'll see what happens out of it. And, and I don't know if that has any impact. Really, I, I think the Suns have kind of been... Half-hearted, lethargic. They just haven't played well. I don't know if that's going to the court and affecting them at all. I, I doubt it, but um, we'll see how uh, this all plays out. All right, still to come on the show, we will talk more about Buster Posey, who retires today, is going through his retirement a press conference right now. We'll play some of that audio. Luke Walton, the coach of the Kings, is scheduled to join us hopefully in about uh, 10 minutes or so as uh, we got much more to get to here on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHK. Quick segment here. We're going to have Coach Walton come up in just a few moments here. We uh, look forward to chatting with him each and every week. Not only did the Kings win last night, uh, but you had other NBA action. There was a lot on the line last night, Chris, because you had the uh, matchup that was so heavily anticipated with the uh, Nuggets and the Grizzlies. Because our linear championship, we're following it. No one's been able to uh, defend it. To defend it. And so the Grizzlies were back in action. They They just took it. They took it from Denver, and they had one of those rare situations. We got some scheduling potting going on in the NBA where they try to maybe sometimes 
keep the same team in a city and, and maybe have a day off in between. I know the Lakers just had that with the Rockets where they played them twice over three days. Well, the Grizzlies took it from the Nuggets uh, in Memphis. They stayed in Memphis and played again. So it was just a bizarre situation, but uh, here's what happened. The winner of this bout and still growling, scratching, clawing, looking for some fish. The Memphis Grizzlies. First one to do it. First one to hang on to it for at least more than one game. They'll be taking on the Wizards Friday. Ooh. Okay. Tomorrow. You're going to have to get to work on what uh, what your rejoinder there or what your sounder will be. I don't know. I don't know if I should go with Wizards. I don't know if I should go with D.C. You're a wizard, Harry. That's what I'm thinking, but yeah. then everyone's thinking that, so we'll see. Too, too predictable? Too predictable. Okay. Well, nobody beats the Wiz. We'll see. Uh, last night in the NBA as well, the Clippers bounced back with a win. They I won think a- you just... Uh, just got it. Okay. Uh, the Clippers uh, got a win. The Mavericks edged the Spurs. And then, as we mentioned, the Warriors got a pretty convincing win. Big day from Jordan Poole as they beat the Hornets. Hornets will be in here uh, tomorrow as the Kings will continue their road trip. So we're going to talk more about this. We're going to get uh, the head coach of the Kings, uh, head coach Luke Walton, is going to be joining us. And we got to get much more into Buster Posey and his retirement. It's still going on right now. Uh, as uh, It was great to see. Uh, his current manager, Gabe Kapler, is there. His former manager, Boach, he is there. Some of his former players as well. But we'll talk about Buster Posey and his Hall of Fame credentials, all that and more as we continue. But Coach Walton scheduled to join us when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. into the paint, kicks it out to Fox, seven on the clock, to Halliburton, fakes the three, drive and kick, Fox wide open for three, this place will explode, and it does if he hits it. 104-91, a 12-point run by the Sacramento Kings to get separation as we pass the midpoint of the fourth quarter. Fox has 17. Uh, The G-man on the call last night, Golden 1 center was rocking. The Kings get their first home court win as they even the record to 4-4. and It's always great to uh, check in on our weekly visit with the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, Luke Walton. Coach, how are you? Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I understand you had a little little daddy duties that probably doesn't, you probably don't get much opportunities to do that right now. Yeah, it's one of the the tough parts of coaching is we're on the road so much. So uh, when I get an opportunity, I like, you know, I like to pick the kids up from school, take them, you know, take them with me where I'm going. So we 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 ran a little bit late, which is why I'm late joining you. But uh, it was it was it was worth it, Jason. Nothing personal. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I can totally understand that. That is definitely worth it. Um, what is uh, you know when we hear in the media, you'll say a guy said yesterday, it's an off day like that. We all assume, oh, good, everybody's nobody's working. We know that's not the case. What, what's an off day today for, for you and really for the players? Yeah, it, it, what it is is, um, you know, we, we've done a nice job of developing a, a culture of, look, we work every day. Um, so for us, an off day is like it, it, guys come in from 10 to 12. We have treatment. We have recovery rooms, ice baths. Um, you know, maybe a quick weight room session, maybe some shots, but nothing, uh, nothing that's really going to put a ton of stress on the body. And, and for some people, it's like, look, we just got off a week long road trip and a back to back on our first day home. Just don't come in at all. Take the day and go, you know, whatever.
whatever you like doing, go out to go up to Auburn and, and hike around. It doesn't matter. Just get your mind off of basketball um, for a day. So it, it kind of is different for everyone. Um, most of the coaches are in there all morning long, and, and you know we're, we're we're working on the the Charlotte scout now, uh, prepping for tomorrow night's games. But the off days is more uh, for for the players, um, and, and then it's individualized for whatever each one needs. And it sure seems like just from observing things and being around before, it seems like more of your group is showing up on those off days. They are, and I made a point after the game last night just because of how intense the start of the season has been. I mean, look, we've been it's eight games in. We've been in – I'm pretty sure we've had a fourth-quarter lead in yes. every game. Like, yeah. like we are it, – it's been a, a high-intensity start to the season for us. Like I said, it was a week-long road trip into a back-to-back. Um, so I made a point after the game to, you know, even though I know how most of our off days look like, I want this one to be a, a very relaxed uh, day for everyone because mentally it's look we're getting right back after it again. We got uh, three games in the in the next four nights, and it's, then we hit the road again. So you got to recharge when uh, when these opportunities come. Coach, I thought you guys played so well against Utah. It wasn't a win, but in your post game reaction was, "Look, we're there. The compete level, like that's you're not worrying about that now. It's the little details, and it's nothing that's this huge thing. But if you can get that, I mean, you, you Utah needed thirty plus from Donovan Mitchell and from uh, Conley and a twenty rebound night from Gobert, and they barely got you. I, I just thought it was such a good game, and then you bounce back and have the game." You did last night. Uh, did you get more of those details that you're looking for last night? We did. We did a better job boxing out. You know, it's still they they got some offensive rebounds. Um, and, and look, we we are constantly going to push for perfection, right? Like that's the mentality. And we know that no no team will ever play a perfect game. But you're just pushing for it to try to get as little. Uh, as little amount of mistakes as you can. And and there's sometimes we're going to play really good basketball, good enough to beat, uh, you know, a lot of teams. And and I agree with you, both Utah games, I feel like we would have won a lot of games Mm -hmm. uh, playing other opponents. But you give certain teams credit at the same time. Some of those threes Conley hit. Like, yes, we made mistakes um, that, that made it harder for us. And that's what we're going to show on film, and that's what we're going to talk about, and that's what we're going to fix. Um, and at the same time, you give some of these elite teams credit for just hitting, I mean, hitting huge shots when they needed them to. I mean, Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, this team's been together for seven straight years uh, going into playoff runs together. So it's like, uh, yes, we we are constantly working on where we need to get better at, and for us right now, the priority one is uh, is defensive rebounding, and there's other things on that list we're hitting as well. Uh, but you got to give uh, give Utah credit, Coach. One of the things you said in that game that I, I made a note I wanted to ask you about, and I, I could have the the terminology wrong, but I think you were talking about Conley specifically, and something you guys had gone over on film a lot, and late in quarters, maybe refusing the screen. Uh, I think that's what it was that you guys weren't handling that properly. What, what was what were you looking for that you didn't get in that specific scenario? Well, you know, the part of Conley Scout is he he's an elite uh, screen rejector, 
Like he, 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 we're trying to send the pick to the screen so that we can have the five man and the guard together deal with the pick and roll mm. and um, at least the high ball screens. The side ball screens, we try to keep everything down on the side, but uh, Conley is an elite at setting it up as if he's coming to the screen, which gets the big man to shift over and then he you know, he rejects it, and he, he then he has a direct line to the basket. Um, so he, he he got us on that a few times, in, including, hit, you know, he had some threes on it. He got to the rim a couple times. And then what Utah is best at, he does that. We have to rotate our help side defense, and then they just swing the ball with all that three-point shooting they had. Um, so, that you know, that's kind of where we – that was part of the scout specifically towards him because he's known at being very good at doing that. And uh, and he got us a few times and made us pay for when he did. Head coach Luke Walton joining us for his weekly visit. Coach, when uh, Doug was in here with me, he was, one of the phrases he would talk a lot about was that the ball has energy. And I thought in the half court last night specifically, uh, transition, you guys are gifted there. I think half court, maybe at times it's not been your best. But last night, man, there were some great offensive sets where that ball was really moving and that energy uh, was was palpable. How'd you feel about your half court offense against uh, New Orleans last night? Yeah, I, there was some some really good possessions, and there were some possessions that need work. And you know, that's kind of where we're constantly um, striving uh, t- towards is is making more and more possessions look like the ones I'm sure you're talking about, Jason, where the ball is just moving. The next open guy is getting it. Is quick decisions. We're attacking with pace, um, and it's fun for everyone. Now, you know, part of that that opens up as guys are, are making shots, and the lane opens up a little bit, um, makes it look a little smoother. Uh, but yeah, we had some really nice offensive possessions last night. Yeah, De'Aaron too. Obviously, everybody's been talking about his shooting. He was much more efficient last night. But I thought the pressure he put on new Orleans by his paint touches, his passing. Um, was that again, everybody's looking at a shooting percentage, but I, I felt like there was just more of a impactful De'Aaron Fox, also more efficient, but how did you think about De'Aaron last night? Yeah, I thought he was good. I thought he was very good. Um, I thought he had some, uh, really nice box outs, uh, where we talk about our top priority being for now. It's funny in this league. It's like, we'll start to rebound better and then our top <laughs> priority will change to something else. And there's just constantly improvement happening in, and then slippage. So right now it's, it's you know, he, De'Aaron had some really nice uh, crack back box outs where he was, you know, he was keeping Valanchunas, who's a huge five man off the glass. So other people could come in and rebound. Uh, I thought De'Aaron's defensive pressure was uh, great. And that's kind of my message to him. It's like, look, look, we just keep playing your game. Focus on all the things you can control and the shot will start going. It, it's just, you know, you're too talented. You're too, you work too hard for it not to. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it was good to see him doing all those other things well. And then the shots to kind of start dropping for him. And we've all seen it before. Once the, you know, the, the shots are going for De'Aaron, it, it just opens up so much for our team offensively uh, because it's really, you know, he's one guy that, that you got to commit multiple people to, um, you know, as long as 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 long as he can keep them honest with uh, with making a couple jumpers. 
last night without you knew Zion wasn't there. It was kind of a game time or questionable for Ingram. Then you find out he's not playing. Was the defensive thought, all right, let's, you know, Valanciunas is a weapon. Certainly Devontae Graham can get cooking. Was it let's mm-hmm. let these other guys go? Because I thought you guys did a great job on Valanciunas and Graham. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did. We, you know, they grand. They, those are are capable players, and and it's such a dangerous trap game in the NBA. One coming home after a long road trip, and, and then two when another team's best player or best players are out. It's just it's such a natural letdown, and you almost saw it the night before in in, in New Orleans game, uh, where without those same two players, New Orleans went up. Uh, 20 in the first half at Phoenix and then Phoenix finally got themselves back into it and took it over late in the fourth but um, you know they look at this level everyone can play everyone's talented and if you let your guard down you're going to lose so I was proud of our group for um, you know for, for playing with again the same intensity they've been showing all season and Phoenix hit a ton of threes early got you know in a rhythm and um, and we were playing good D. They they were making tough shots. Um, and, and yeah, we Graham and, and Valanciunas were the focal points going into it. Uh, once we found out Brandon Ingram was out, you have a pretty good read of your players and kind of how they're feeling. That that seemed like it escalated really quickly with Rashawn and the ejection. I know. I guess when you throw a headband, I don't know if you already had the one T or if that's. I don't know what what did you hear when they they gave him the boot. Yeah, so I, I didn't see the headband. So when I went to talk to Tony Brothers, the referee, about it, uh, he, you know, I was upset. I didn't think he deserved two of them. And then when Tony told me he tossed the headband, that's automatic. So you know, that's that's just, that's what the rule is. The players know it. Uh, we got to you know we got to keep our cool in that situation. You know, we all know how valuable Rashawn is to us. Um, and you know he throws something into the crowd, and in today's NBA, it's automatic ejection. So um, you know that, that was the right call, and I give um, Alex and Tristan uh, a ton of credit because boy, did they step up and, and play big for us. Yeah, and for you to know that you can do that. I mean, these guys are veterans. That you, there's you know they're they're different than Rashawn, but it's they're going to bring what they do well. For you to get that consistently, how valuable is that for a coach just to know I can go to these veterans and. We're not going to, you know, slip here. Yeah, it's great. It really is. They've been, they've been, I've been praising them since camp. They both have brought toughness, consistency, um, professionalism to to the group. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's too hard to, to play three centers every night. So, you know, they're not getting the, the playing time that, uh, that they probably deserve with how well they were playing in camp. But, they're doing a heck of a job as, you know, not just the two of them, but all those bigs as a group of kind of just understanding, embracing and doing it by committee. And whoever I call on is, is stepping in and, and, uh, and giving us great effort. For Holmes and for Len Coach, I'm sure they don't have the buddy healed Terrence Davis green light, but they've both hit a couple threes this year. And I think they have a good read. I think they both missed one recently and they're, they're not going to shoot five unless they're making them. But uh, yeah. where are they? Like, are you more than comfortable with if they're open, they can shoot that? Yeah, so we do some uh, in the practices on, uh, on you know, we call it the SAC 100 where uh, every player shoots uh, makes a hundred threes and we kind of track it as it goes. And as long as the percentages that they're shooting um, are at a certain level, depending on what position you're at, that kind of 
allows me to give you a certain green light or not. You know, in this case, a yellow light, I guess. It's, you know, I, I've told them, like, I don't want Alex and, and Rashawn coming down and shooting trail threes off of one pass with 18 on the shot clock. But if the ball's moved a couple times and we've gotten the ball in the paint and we're late into the shot clock, uh, they're both they both shoot well enough percentages in practice uh, that I that I've okayed them to uh, to take those shots. Yeah. And I thought both of them in last night's game were totally fine, uh, out of the rhythm of the offense later into the clock and and uncontested really. Um, so uh, I have confidence they'll knock those down. Uh, you know, more often than not. First look at the Hornets. They've been a team that I think a lot of people are excited to watch play. They're fun. They get up and down the floor. They really run. They score a lot. Uh, what are some of the things you're looking at with uh, with the Hornets coming in tomorrow? Yeah, they are fun. They're, they are a good team, and it's they got you know some some young players that fly up and down, and and, and Hayward's having a heck of a year, just bringing them consistency. Bridges is, is having a career year. He had 30 again last night. I think something around that. Um, so it's going to be, I, I think tomorrow night's going to be a lot of fun. You know, the energy in our home building should be uh, very exciting. And, and look, that's how we like to play too. So um, my guess is it's going to be an up and down track meet all night long. And it's going to, you know, come down to what team can uh, can get some stops and what team can take care of the ball, uh, what team does a better job in transition defense. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a great challenge for our guys. Yeah, I, I can't remember in the time you've been here that you would ever really slow this team down. I mean, that fits into your strength. I mean, I know they run, but would there ever be a reason, barring late in the game or certain scenarios, but you're, you're more than comfortable to run, right, all the time? All the time. There, you know, there, there's times that, you know, in in my 20 years in the NBA that we've, as a team, purposely slowed it down because we were playing a fast team. Um but that's not the case here. You know, it doesn't matter who we play. They want to play fast. Let's go. Um, you know, and we got to, you know, let's see who, who who does a better job of it. Um, I don't see Charlotte trying to slow it down either just because we want to play fast. So it should be a, it should be an entertaining game tomorrow. Yeah, a lot of fun for the fans for sure. Well, Coach, congratulations on that home win last night. Back to 500. Uh, enjoy your evening. Good luck tomorrow. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, looking forward to it, Jason. Have a good weekend. All right, thank you. That's the head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton. Always good to catch up with him. Uh, very generous with his time. And, yeah, we'll, we'll make time for coach. Come on. And I think that's important. Uh, those guys don't get a, enough family time, quality family time. So good for him to pick up the kids, have some time with them, and um, back to work. Those guys, man, they put in some major, major hours. And that's one of the things that, you know, I haven't been able to talk to Doug as much as I would have liked to uh, in this time since he's left here and he's – so happy to be doing what he's doing. I mean, you've got to love that when it's your passion. Um, and he knew it was a lot of work, but it's even more than he thought. And everybody that has been a player, I'm sure coach, I haven't asked coach Walton about this, but you know, they all knew when they were players that the coaches worked hard, but until you're in that position, I remember talking about IB Jackson about that. The first time he became an assistant coach, it's man. I always knew they did film on the plane and stuff like that, but it's, it's endless hours and you're just trying to find the advantage some wrinkle, something that can be done differently that will help your team uh, defeat the the opponent. And tomorrow night, it's the Charlotte Hornets. It really should be a fun game. I hope it lives up to what, you know, Charlotte's been the team where you follow anybody on social media or other NBA um, media members. They're kind of that must-watch team on the NBA package. They they 
have a lot of great highlights, and LaMelo Ball is just truly a, a fantastic young talent in this league. So it'll be a fun game, a tough game. Uh, the Hornets, they'll come in with a record of 5-4. and four. If you look at some of the things they've done well, they started 3-0, and oh, uh, but stumbled a little bit here lately. But they've got some good wins, and they've lost their last two and two, uh, three of their last four. So hopefully the Kings can keep that direction going for Charlotte and get themselves back over 500. Again, our thanks to the head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton. We will break. We'll have one more hour to go as we get you to Thursday Night Football. It's the Jets and the Colts. When we come back, more reaction from Buster Posey's uh, press conference and his Hall of Fame career. That's right. I said Hall of Fame career. We'll kind of debate that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK.